Welcome, everyone. Episode 43 in the books. Here we are. You meet in a tavern. Durf gave the recap last time. I think Tug gave it the time before that. Carl, what's up? What happened in episode 42? Where are we at? Uh, Carl, Tug, Durf, and Tess left the tower uh, kind of after seeing that people were off to safety for the most part and headed to Shade in search of Lucius's sash. A little bit of tension between Carl and Tess has made for awkward moments uh, pretty much between everybody. Um, We all saw a vision at the clock tower in the town, and Tug took off running towards a well. Uh, We get there, some dialogue ensues, and then... Carl jumped down the well. Correct. Yeah, everybody jumped down the well and uh, you landed in this sort of fey realm with these bright lights uh, illuminating from the trees all around you, this strange aura, this strange feeling. And um, Durf, Carl, and or Durf, Tug, and Tess, you guys fall uh, right after Carl and you land... Durf, you were still a spider, yes. if I recall correctly. You turned into a spider and you fell. I made you roll a con save. I don't know if that made it into the episode, but you passed. And you are still a spider. So uh, currently, Carl, Tug, Durf as a spider. Tess, Eugene, you guys are all kind of in the base of this new place. Uh, what do you do? What you do you do? remember what kind of spider? Do you remember if I was a giant wolf spider or just a giant spider? I'm pretty sure we said just a spider. Normal spider. Giant spider's actually better. Giant spider's CR1 and wolf spider. Giant wolf spider's CR one-fourth. I'm pretty sure we just said normal spider. Okay. Um. Wait, so aren't we in the complete darkness? No. No. No, you are, you are at the base of this forest. I'll read the description once again. Oh, yeah, again. that's right. That's right. Yeah, that's yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, what, last thing I think I mentioned, I like pointed out was that you see the moon up in the sky um, and it's a it's a slightly cloudy sky. Uh, clouds are passing by overhead. You can't really see this because of the thick canopy of these magical trees all around you. But you are nowhere close to the forest you were before. And as you look up, seeking out this well that you fell from, you see nothing but trees and branches. Interesting. Well, uh, are there any particularly tall trees around? There's many. There's tall trees, short trees. The canopy reaches up, you know, dozens and dozens of feet into the sky. There's foliage, foliage, I keep saying that, foliage. There's foliage all around you, illuminating, moving, shifting. It's a very strange place you've never been in before. Can I do like a perception check to see if there's like um like a uh, any the what would look like a settlement like houses or sure yeah anything like that you can roll a perception check for that sixteen nothing nothing that you can see from where you're at right now it looks like just straight dense dense magical forest all around you no can sense of civilization Durf will climb up what ever he perceives to be the tallest tree in the area looking around as he goes uh, for 
what have you. Okay, so like as a spider, so you don't have to roll any sort of check for that or anything? Yeah. Okay, sweet. Um, so you climb up, you climb up, you find a tree nearby as the others wait uh, below, and you climb up to the top of the canopy, and uh, you're able to do that. And above the canopy, you just see this great forest stretch as far as, as you can see. You see um, tree leaves that glow um, all the way out to the horizon. It shifts as though the wind is blowing it back and forth. You see the giant moon up ahead in the sky. Um, clouds kind of surrounding the area, shifting back and forth in, in no particular direction. And you see these piercing beams of moonlight that cast a glow on several sections of the landscape, shifting as the wind blows thick white clouds across the sky over its face. Wherever this light touches, this beam of light touches, you see that the trees, the canopy of the trees, are changing from a vibrant green to a pale monochrome gray. And you find it strange that uh, as you sit at the top of this tree looking around, you don't see any beasts in the air. There's no flying birds or creatures of the night, you know, soaring through the sky as you would probably expect from such a a flourishing place. What about um, bugs? No bugs, nothing, nothing. Far off uh, to the north, as you look around, far off to the north, you see a particularly bright moonbeam shining straight down from the sky, glistening off the surface of the world like a star. The glint of reflected light that connects the moon to the trees blinks and twinkles on the horizon where the trees grow to meet it. And as your eyes adjust to the light, your keen elven sight, as a spider, elven spider, I guess, you can see the tiniest sliver of a great waterfall miles and miles away. Interesting. And so when you say the moonbeams are hitting the forest and turning it gray, do you mean like killing the forest or like... Almost like, um, I don't know, like illuminating the true nature of the forest. You know what uh, I mean? Yeah. Um, give me a nature check. Uh, do I use my own modifier on that? Because it's my brain or my spider yeah, yeah, modifier? No, yeah, use your, use your brain modifier. Your, okay. <laughs> your own derf modifier for that. Uh, let's see. I'm zoomed out on my character sheet. I can't see shit. Nature plus five, 21. Okay, that's pretty good. Um, it's it's not killing the trees. It almost seems like um, it almost seems like a almost like a spotlight. Uh, how these, these the clouds are shifting the beams, so they are moving back and forth. Sometimes they stay in one place. Sometimes they move around like multiple spotlights over the entire landscape. Um, that you can't tell whether it's killing anything or just just the fact of you know discoloration because of the light. Um, is in this when the light passes over something like when something that was previously lit mm-hmm. gets covered up by clouds does it turn mm-hmm. back to green yes yes and as you're as you're actually as you're studying this Darf, as as you are kind of picturing and trying to uh, figure out what's what's going on um, suddenly the clouds shift and a beam of bright moonlight breaks through and it's moving straight towards you like where you and your party are. Um, Durf is pretty uncomfortable with that. He's going to crawl back down below the canopy, hoping that that doesn't... Like, it's coming at me quickly. 
very quickly. Roll a dexterity saving throw, actually. Natural 20. Okay, fuck. You uh, <laughs> You dip below the thickest of leaves um, right as the light passes over, and you feel a slight burn as you're climbing down, almost like a little slit kind of cut through the trees and got onto your legs, uh, but it doesn't leave any lasting damage. Interesting. Well, I guess I creeped down. You said that the waterfall was north? Yeah, far, far, miles and miles away, north. Interesting. Well, okay, I go down to the to the forest floor to meet back up with the, the boys. And uh, I'll turn back into Durf so I can talk. And I relay all that information to them. Tug is and still... And they're I- shocked into silence. <laughs> <laughs> As usual. <laughs> Tess, too. I guess Tess is there. I could have said something. <laughs> I, I, I was just going to say, I, I think Tug, given the the goings-on, is probably most reluctant to weigh in and drive decisions based on the fact that he led everybody to now. <laughs> the, situation, <laughs> the only one to fall victim to the ploy. So To be fair, it's it was Carl who... Uh you know, threw a tantrum and jumped down the well. True. That's not... <laughs> Carl, Carl jumped down the well not because he threw a tantrum. So, we can just get... Because there was say, a boy trapped say, in a well. I didn't say Carl jumped down the well because he threw a tantrum. I said he threw a tantrum and jumped down the well. Two separate things. Whatever. It's <laughs> fine. It's fine. So, what? So, so, yeah. There's there, uh, the moon from Majora's Mask up there. It's blasting the trees. And um, I caught a little hint of it, just a little uh, a little spice on the back of the tongue, which makes me think those moonbeams uh, will uh, fuck us up, and we should not walk into them. However, I did notice that there's a particularly large moonbeam illuminating a waterfall very far away. Um, so I we could go there, but it'll take a while, and. I don't even know if that's a good place to go. The end. Uh, d- d- uh, I think we should go there. If you're just polling the audience, <laughs> I am in favor of that. Okay. What's Tess think? Tess shakily raises her hand and she says, well, I don't see any other ideas. We're stuck here now. We might as well head in that direction. If we know a target, we know somewhere to go. It's better than wandering around randomly. Um, do we didn't bring our mounts with us, right? No, they're still wherever they are, right? So some of us, some of us can fly. Some of us are, you know, land bound. Uh, would certainly be... Durf, do you think... You said those moonbeams have... They hurt you? Yeah. Do you think flying is such a good idea? Well, you can see them. Oh, I see. <laughs> Try to avoid them. <laughs> um, But, you know, maybe you're right. I don't know how bad they hurt us. And um, if I was to get blasted out of wild shape, it would probably make us die. So... Yeah, that doesn't sound great. 
this uh, during this whole conversation, Carl has just kind of been pacing uh, around the outside of the huddle, like paying no real attention, kind of muttering just to himself, like this wasn't supposed to be. This wasn't supposed to be me. We thought it was Jill. We thought it was Jill this whole time, and it, it turned out to be me. And that he just—that's all he's muttering nonstop. What? I'm gonna roll something. Uh, Tess doesn't hear you. Perfect. <laughs> Say these things. Does but Durf? I'm, I am interested as the DM. Perfect. But, uh, roll a perception check. Me? Yeah. Uh, eighteen. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you do. I think with that you would. Yeah, here, sure. Carl. Durf's like Carl, buddy. Huh? Is that, what? Yeah. What's, yeah. Which, uh, what do you got going on over there? No, not nothing. Just, just some thoughts. Oh, what, what, what are we doing? Well, we were thinking about going to waterfall. Going to see waterfall. You like waterfalls? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Uh, what direction are we going? Um, north. What was that shit you were just saying? Just and, now? And as soon as Durf says north, Carl just starts taking off. Starts trun- trouncing through the forest. I'm very intrigued as to what is happening. Tess chases after you. Carl has a natural, uh, he has a compass in his noggin and immediately just blasts. <laughs> well, I mean, you, right. said north, you, said, you said north, so it's fine. I feel, I feel it in my heart. Okay. Tug, what are you doing? Uh, guess, yeah, following, Dur- I Durf guess, would like going to north. visually confirm whether Carl is actually going north or just blasting off in a random direction. Oh, that's good. Give me a nature check. <laughs> hey, Carl, you give me one too, actually. 19. Five. Okay. Five. Okay, Carl is going due southwest. <laughs> that's fine. Uh, he thinks, uh, Carl thinks it's north. That's all that matters. Uh, Durf's like, hey, guys, not that I'm one with nature or anything, but north is this way. And he <laughs> starts walking in the correct direction. Carl uh, just kind of makes like a, a wide circuit and just kind of veers around into the north. Oh, following Durf? Okay. Yeah. yeah, Tess does the same thing. <laughs> T- tug? Tug, no. Tug uses a nature check <laughs> to verify that the moss is in fact growing on the north side of the trees of the direction okay. we're going. Submit. That's not actually how it works. I mean, <laughs> I was going to say. Well, well. That's what that's what Tug uh, learned. One of us is a druid, <laughs> and one of us is Tug Mugbar. So, so roll that nature check. I, I literally don't know what to do, no matter what the result is. <laughs> it's a sixteen. All right, you. Uh, I mean, down here, the moss <laughs> only grows on the north side. <laughs> just, just notice that's that there's right. moss on all sorts there's, of different directions. Yep, yep. You you roll such a good nature check, you see moss everywhere, and you just agree to follow the druid. Hey, yes. everybody, moss is everywhere. <laughs> right, okay, so you all race off to the north. Uh, give me uh No, you don't need any checks or anything. Okay, so you guys travel for uh, a long while you trounce through this forest all around you you feel the entire time as if you're being watched um it seems like the roots of the trees are shifting as you take each step either in front of you to block your way to hinder you to slow you down um some of the branches sway away from you it's very strange this whole kind of environment is is unlike anything you've ever 
encountered before, obviously. Um, and you travel for a few hours, and I want you each to roll a perception check for me. 20. Not natural. Tugs is a natural 20. Not natural 20, natural 20. 11. Carl. 11. Okay, Tug. Um, and, and Durf, but Tug definitely hears this first. I guess, uh, <laughs> I don't know, he's feeling your druidic powers, but um, you hear off to the east a stream of water. You hear um, the sounds of water over river stones. Uh, guys, ever everyone. <laughs> yeah? Every, everyone. There's water over sewer stones or whatever you said. <laughs> river stones. Sewer yeah. Stone. River. <laughs> Similar. Well, let's go check it out. Let's allow us to do so. Durf heads in that direction. Okay, yeah. Tess is going. Carl is dragging behind. Okay. So you all head towards the source of this sound, Tug leading the way, and you break through the trees and you come across this um, murmuring, these murmuring rapids that are coming down from the north, traveling from north to south, this this rushing water over stones. Um, the stream, you could call it a river, it's wide. I mean, it's at least 20, 30 feet wide of rapids and it gets deeper as you as you were to move forward to the north um within this there are spots uh the clearing spots where moonlight is seeping through coming through landing on the water and wherever it hits the water is just this bright glowy beautiful uh white white water white white reflecting off of the streams um uh, off of the water of this stream Tug gets closer to check it out. Don't get too close, it hurts. <laughs> you getting closer just to the water's edge? Yes. Okay, give me a dexterity saving throw. Oh, good. <laughs> That's a 17. 17. All right, Tug, as you um you step forward, uh, you hit some of these wet rocks on the river's edge where the water has been splashing up. All of the sudden, something breaks through the surface. It is a massive vine, and it comes out and lashes forward like a whip um, directly in front of your face, and you bend backwards just at the right time, just as it flashes right over your head. And at once, three more vines strike out of the water and begin to creep up, creeping up towards you. And on the surface of the water, it stirs, and a gigantic red flower, the petals of a giant sopping wet flower, lift up from the surface and bend forward towards you and your group. Roll initiative. Rot row. Hey everyone, 
this is Joe, your Dungeon Master. Welcome to episode 43. Thanks for joining us for the second part of this Shade arc, and we hope you had a wonderful holiday. Welcome to 2019. Um, real quick, I want to give a special congratulations to Isabel Donahue. She won the contest we put out last episode to name the most Christmas carols in the audio that Jacob Pretty kind of secretively threw in there. So she almost guessed all of them, and she's going to win a oh, her own theme for her D&D character of choice. Uh, Jacob Pretty will reach out to you if she if he hasn't already to kind of get started and get your character description. So congratulations, Isabel. I also want to give a special thank you and shout out to our $15 or more patrons. These are people that go above and beyond to support the show and you keep us going. Eleanor Fitchett, David Ashi Cole, Andre K, Jello Crew, Kurt Nolan, James J.C. Eklantz, Tarkin Davis, Sierra Clark, Jason Ford, Jonathan Zeman, Michael Kenitzer, Jaeger, GM Binder, Max Bender, Holly Roxana, Ice Blue 220, Strive for Honor, Sarah Blue, Mark Deacon, Crispy Bacon, Dr. Shit, Fun Chew, Cash Register, and Wilma Fingerdoo. Okay. Uh, and John Dalstrom. So thank you guys all for your donation to the show. You really keep us going. Um, your support means so, so much. If you want to be a patron supporter, uh, we really only have to donate a dollar a month to be a patron supporter. And you get sweet perks. You get a secret channel in our Discord. You get access to our a few more beers. That's our uh, separate podcast that talks about the show, kind of on the off weeks. Um and lots of other cool stuff. So if you want to be a Patreon supporter, go on to patreon.com slash YMIA Tavern, only a dollar a month. Okay, everybody, enjoy the rest of the episode. I want to make a quick announcement. I do make a DM ruling towards uh, the middle of this second half that a lot of you are going to agree with. And actually, after the episode, we looked it up, and I was totally wrong. So don't shoot me, please. It was a split-second call in a very heated battle without having to look up the rules. Um, you'll know when it comes. So anyway, enjoy the rest of the episode, and we'll see you in a couple weeks. All right, peace out, guys. And girls. Eighteen for time. <laughs> Natural one. Wait, I have advantage on initiative rolls. Four. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no. With dex, it's seven. Okay, seven derf. Uh, what'd you get, Tug? Eighteen. Eighteen. Carl. Seventeen. Seventeen. And test rolls of fourteen. And this creature. Fourteen. And 14 is gonna, that's gonna beat Tess's modifier. Okay. So we're gonna start with Tug, who's the closest. Um, he's the only one that reached forward. So he's kind of like right within melee range of this thing that is beginning to creep out. Now, this flower is huge. There's this giant, uh, red flower, red petals, each about the size of maybe Carl or Durf's height, about six foot long, all coming from this stem uh, where these these small little almost antenna kind of buds are, are sprouting out from the middle. Um, it sits atop this thick, thick stem that 
increases in thickness down to where these vines sprout out like legs. And it's moving from the water closer to the surface, um, almost like it had set a trap to anyone that was that is getting close. Tug, you are going to go first. Tug turns to Durf immediately. Uh, so what's that stuff, dude? <laughs> As I'm just backing away and creating distance because um, if I can't punch ghosts, I'm assuming I can't punch water either or vine water, whatever these things are lashing out. It's definitely a plant. I mean, it is a it's moving. Vines, right? It's not made of water. It's just made right. It's made of. It's made of. It's uh, made of a plant, I thought it was right? fabricated from like the water forming itself up. No, okay. this Taking was. Uh, this is a plant. plant that's kind of like soaking in life from the water, um, with vines stretched out to the surface, and you stepped into its its shit. <laughs> so it is coming out of the water towards you. Okay. Well, in that case. Durf, never mind. I think I can punch regular plants. <laughs> and um, I'm going to move forward and try and... Um, I don't want to grapple it. It's huge. It's huge. <laughs> right, but I mean, I can still like grapple a vine or whatever. Yeah. Um, can I try and uh, run along the vines to its center? Um, what's your speed? Uh, it's it just went up, so I think it's uh, thirty-five. I want to say or forty. Okay, I can say with that, uh, you could if you roll a good enough acrobatics check, or you're gonna automatically pass or whatever. Uh, you can probably reach on to the top of its stem, where um, where it's I want to say head, where its giant you know petals are, uh, but that's gonna leave you about twenty feet up in the air. I have. So that's uh, your slow. call. I have. Okay. I'm going to do that. I'm going to move. Okay. I'm going to use that. I'll expend a key point to pass the acrobatics check, uh, and kind of like nimbly, kind of like run up yeah. the vine to get to its uh, bulbous mass in the middle. But you're saying okay, once sweet. I get there, I don't. I can't attack because that was my whole distance. Uh, no, you can attack still. I can say you know what? You could use your uh, new your new level ten thing where you can run up vertical surfaces. This is essentially that. So you're oh, using yeah. your speed to just run up of it, run up its giant stem to the top. Cool. Then once I get there, I'm going to uh, just do my regular uh, three attacks. Okay, roll them. Uh, Seventeen. Uh, Fifteen. That one fell off the table. Uh, Twenty-one. Okay, all three will hit. Um, and now for damage. Two plus one plus one. So four, 19 damage. Okay, now these are bludgeoning damage. Are you using your lightning fists or these are just normal fists? These are just normal, uh, normal fists. Normal bludgeoning attacks. Okay, so as you punch, as you uh, connect with these three blows directly to the base of where its petals spread out, where this this head is, uh, it squeals out. You hear this high-pitched, just awful, awful scream, but your fists feel like you're punching pillows. Like, it's not doing much damage to the meat of the thing, um, almost like you're punching this padded armor that it has on. Uh, what was the total damage again? I'm sorry. 19. 19, okay. All right. Uh, but it's it screams, so you get a sense that you are hurting it slightly. Carl, you're up. And you are, I'll say the the other others of you that 
didn't walk forward like Tug did, I'd say you're about maybe 30 feet from the surface. Okay, uh, I am going to uh, charge in, and as I charge in, I'm going to cast uh, Firebolt. Okay, nice. Seventeen to hit. That'll hit. Yep. And one. Where's my D10? Here you go. Five damage. Five damage. Okay, nice. Uh, what what part of are you aiming at? Uh, just like the just the central mass. Okay, just trying to strike out. So, yeah. what does this lo- attack look like? You've never really cast this type of spell before. And you know what? You are casting a spell, so I need you to roll on the uh, wild magic table. This is a cantrip. I thought that's... Is that only when I do my... I don't know. I don't care. I, no, I that's just want to roll anyways. No, that's a spell. I don't think we've done this we since have not. you... Yeah, we have <laughs> we've not. been very bad. But I did roll a three. Okay, so, so we, now we have to roll a d100, right? Yep, roll a d100. 89. You become invisible for the next minute. During that time, other creatures can't hear you. The invisibility ends if you attack or cast a spell. <laughs> okay, sweet. So you, uh, how far do you run forward, and what does this attack look like? Tell us. Um, what happens? I j- I'm running out with uh, just my shield, and as I'm running, I just kind of st- stick my hand out. It looks like I'm kind of reaching for it from a fair distance, and, uh, a little, this a very small little fireball just kind of shoots out, um, and then I instantly just disappear. And the fireball <laughs> just keep, you know, it, it's not a big, it's very small. It's like the size of like a golf ball, right? Yeah, and it strikes this thing, and you see its plant, its stem, the stem of it start to kind of singe where this fireball pierces through um, its thick body as it continues to walk forward with tug. Grasping on to the top of the stem and you disappearing. And Tug, I need you to roll me a roll me a strength save. This is not going to be good. (laughs) Five minus one is four. (laughs) Okay, so this thing, this stem is so long, high up in the air, about fifteen feet, twenty feet into the air. It whips forward real quick, like whiplash, like it just was in a car and it just suddenly stopped and you go flying to the ground you're gonna take oh you have slow fall yeah so it's a reaction and i reduce fall damage by five times my monk level so 50 (laughs) oh shit okay you're fine you're fine so um as you fly off of this this creature as it creeps closer to um where the rest of your party is tug you get slung forward but you hold your hands out and kind of like stop as a break and fall to the ground lightly. Um, but it still is going to lunge forward at you as the closest party member that it can see now. And its petals pull forward. And in the center of this flower, you see this mouth, this gaping mouth open up, dripping with slime and these large teeth as it tries to strike down at you with a bite attack. How far away from him am I? Uh, ten feet. I'll just say ten. So protectional. Let me tell you what I rolled first. Twenty twenty-three. That's good enough. <laughs> As well, protection up. help. You have to roll again, right? Well, what's Tug's AC? Or what? Yeah. Eighteen. Protection. What does protection do again, Carl? 
You can use your reaction to impose disadvantage on the attack roll. Okay. All right. I'll roll again. So 23. It's going to be like a 48 or some shit. No, it's a 20. 23 and a 20. Still good. I mean. Or a 13. I, okay. I tried. All right. So you, uh, in your invisible body tries to lunge forward and block the flower from this attack, but you're just too far away. And Tug, you're going to take 15 piercing damage and four poison damage. So a total of 19 damage. Does that mean I'm also... Uh, well, I can't be poisoned, so that's sweet. Yeah, you're not poisoned. That's just how much damage you... This These cl- these teeth just swipe down, claw against your body, and you feel this, this heat, this painful heat seep into your bones. And Tess is up now, and she's going to lash... She's going to run forward after Carl, see that he disappears, but see this flame, this flame that uh, obviously damaged this thing pretty good. And she's going to... She's close enough now that she's going to run up and cast Burning Hands, and her, her hands just burst into flames as she reaches out and touches this creature, or attempts to touch this creature. She only rolls a 13, so she misses. She trips. She trips as she runs forward. She trips on a on a root, and her burning hands just fall into the mud, and instantly smoke comes up as they are extinguished. And Durf, you're up. Um, okay... So, here's what I'm gonna do. Durf will throw down a... Durf is... Perturbed. <laughs> by by this um, clear sort of abomination of nature. Um, he's gonna throw down a unicorn totem as his bonus mm-hmm. action. Um, he doesn't really expect to use it. He casts Blight uh, right at the center. Actually, let me ask first... I, I at first was thinking this was like a big plant in the middle of the river that was sort of lashing out with vines, but it's actually like mobile, right? It's not Correct. staying in one place. Like when it attacked Tug Yeah, the vines now. are okay. almost like legs. It's using these curly vines to walk up from the river onto the surface of the... Okay. Uh, so he, it, right at, targeting right at the middle of the mm-hmm. flower, um, without even moving, he will cast Blight. Okay. Um, which is a constitution okay. save. Okay. And you roll with disadvantage. I roll with disadvantage. Okay. All right. Um, here we go. Uh, 20 not natural and an 18. Uh, does 18 do it? Remind me how. It's it's 8 plus. 8 plus proficiency right? plus your, uh, your druid, so I think wisdom modifier. So that is 17. So you just Just passed, yep. Okay. Well, it, so I do half damage. Uh, which is 4d8, and when I do it to a plant, it takes maximum damage. Now, so. here's a question. Um, is that an area of effect? No. Okay, sweet. Okay. Uh, so he takes 4d8, maximum damage, so 32. 32 halved, right? Because I saved. No. He takes 8d8. Oh, shit. 32. Nice. Okay. So what does this look like? Um, it just sort of, the, the center of the flower starts to decay. Mm-hmm. Uh, like uh, sort of rot as if it was a putrefying uh, dead plant. Okay, sweet. So you strike this thing, this ball of energy and you see the petals kind of like start to fold inwards backwards and fray a little bit at the edge as it screams out uh, in pain. And Tug, you are directly under this creature as this happens. What do you do? Uh, Tug quickly whips out 
cable call and tries to fire it to pull himself away. Okay, fire it at like a, like a nearby a, tree. That, yeah, like a stout tree nearby. Yeah, I'm assuming, and it's, I know cable call is supposed to pull stuff to you, but I'm assuming as long as it's attached to something that's bigger than me, I get pulled. Like yeah. that logically makes uh, sense. It's right? something that's fixed to the ground. Absolutely. I, I mean, you that's did that. How it worked previously? Yeah, it worked at, like that way at uh, Dragonspire when you flung you and Carl to the ship. That's right. That's. That, I just wanted to confirm that because okay. I I want to use it this way. Now that it's on my mind, because that sounds sweet. Okay, that's fine. So um, that's what I will do. I will kind of like, we'll say it's just kind of, uh, yeah, we'll say it's like a, a spy, like a Spider-Man's web shooter. Like it's just kind of on my forearm and I could just, psh, and that, it just zip forward. That's totally cool. So you, are, you start to drag yourself backwards. You point it at a nearby tree right behind you, maybe 20 feet back. And uh, it, sh- it shoots out and clasps around this tree and digs it to its roots. And as you're kind of flying backwards, this creature is going to get an attack of opportunity because you're in its melee range. Okay. Rolls a 26. That's good. Uh, so you're going to take some more damage here. You're going to take... Oh, not that, but 13 plus 8. 21 total damage, piercing, and poison as... Uh, as you as you are trying to kind of um, escape from this, the plant rears back and dives forward once again for a bite and just gets you around the ankles, but you are still pulled out from this mouth as its teeth just kind of scrape along your feet. How are you looking? Um, uh, pretty bad, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. All right. Pretty bad. But you, uh, you get flung back towards this tree. You're about 20 feet. You're out from its melee range, and it just yells this horrifying screech in anger and Carl you are invisible you are behind this thing it didn't see you as it lunged towards Tug what are you going to do can I see like the top of the flower petal thing yeah yeah for sure Uh, so okay so I'm going to actually just misty step on top of it okay and as I kind of appear from the mist I'm going to have like a source bane in a reverse grip and try and just thrust downward into the top of this flower. Okay, perfect. Uh, using Divine Smite level 3 source main thing. Perfect. 23 to hit. Okay, that'll hit for sure. 29 damage. 29 total damage? Yep. Okay, nice. So you plunge your, your sword down into its body, into its petals, right in the right between this petals, like right where its teeth are, and it screams once again, and uh, Carl, as you do so, you can see within its within its um, mouth is just this hot, hot acid building up, um, and it is just it is extremely pissed as it screams up into the sky as you are uh, you you pierce it with your sword. Um, it's its turn now, and in this moment where it is looking up to the sky, you see this acid build up, and it blows its load. It, <laughs> where you are, I need you to make a constitution saving throw. I want you to make it with disadvantage since you are right there. Uh, that's not good. That would be a, a natural one. Wow. Um. Okay. All right. One second. All right. Carl, you take, you take 32 poison damage. And you are not poisoned because you can't be poisoned as a paladin, but you do take 32 poison damage as this 
acid just explodes from its mouth all over you since you are directly on top of it. Um, You feel your armor start to burn. It gets stuck in between your skin and your armor, and you are just seething and seething in pain as you take this damage. Um, And at that same time, Tug, you are... You latch onto this tree and you're pulled back and you slam into the trunk. And as you do, you look up into its branches and you see the branches start to form and move. And down from the trunk are two creatures that begin to crawl down towards you. They're about six feet tall, just tree-like beings, almost like stick figures uh, that wear masks of wood and these this orange glow from inside of their bodies um, just illuminates seeming like energy that is causing these trees, these tree limbs to form into arms and legs. This living beast of wood and log and sticks is crawling towards you. And another one, Durf, from behind you as you are kind of like still further out from the battlefield, you can sense right behind you um, at the trunk of another tree Something comes around from the other side, and two more combatants enter the battlefield. So, Tug, you... Are these... What's that? I guess we don't know. Nothing. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. These are are pretty much uh, living branches that have come together to form humanoid-looking figures. And inside of their branches are these glowing, this glowing orange energy. And Tess is up next, and Tess is rushing forward. She sees you, Carl, reappear. You misty-stepped, and something happened. And as the acid, this poison, kind of covered your body, she sees your figure, and she rushes forward. She gets up from the ground with her burning hands, and she wraps her arms around this creature. This time... Wow. This time rolling a natural 20. Uh, I was thinking, like, right before I rolled, I was thinking, it would be pretty cool if she rolled a natural 20, and she actually did. And she does a massive amount of damage to this thing, because this is double, and it's fire damage, so... 5, 8, 9, 13, 17... She does 34 fire damage to this beast, wraps her arms, her entire arms just are engulfed in flames as she wraps them around the stem of this creature. And Carl, make a strength save. 14. Okay, you're thrown to the ground as the body of this giant flower whips back and forth in pain. You are thrown to the ground nearby. It is still alive, but you can see the ash, this, this... these embers kind of surrounding the stem of this creature reaching up towards its petals. Uh, it's in very bad shape. And Durf, you're up, and you see this creature coming in from behind you. You see the flower in front of you, another one coming down towards Tug. What do you do? So it's not in my zone yet. No. You just whipped around and you saw it. Um, so how far away behind it is me? I'm between it and the flower. Yeah, it's about 15 feet. How's the flower doing? On a, say, a scale of one to however much HP it has. Uh, If this is a Pokemon game, it would be in the red. (laughs) Okay. Um, Well, then, let's see. And is it, it's not in the water anymore, is it? No, no, it's totally on the coast. It's on the surface. Uh, Okay. Durf is gonna run forward directly towards the... uh, 
plant monster and slide underneath it and cast Blight directly upwards at it. Nice, okay. I have to make a what save? Con save? Con save with disadvantage. And you're going to do 32 no matter what? Uh, I'm going to do 64 if you fail the con save. <laughs> okay. Ah, <laughs> uh, natural one! <laughs> Back-to-back rolls. Natural 20, natural one. All right, you fuck this thing up. It dies. Tell me how it happens. Uh, it just... Uh, it, the, I hit directly in, I don't know, where it's, like, butthole would be if flowers had buttholes. And, you know, the part where all of its legs come together. Mm-hmm. And that just rots... And all of its vines fall as the rot goes upward, and basically just the entire thing kind of like dissolves away. Perfect. Yes. Yes. This the, this dissolving kind of rot just r- runs up of up its stem, and its petals start to fade away and fall apart, and the whole thing just moans its last moan before it folds and falls directly on top of you just in a heap of rotted plant shit. Plant shit. (laughs) Uh, And let's see. This creature that is above you, Tug, is crawling down the trunk and leaps from the trunk directly in front of you and the tree. And these two giant these two large clawed hands that are just sharpened wood come and swipe down at you. One, two. Rolling an 18 and a natural 20. They're both good. They're both good. Does he, they're both, yeah. they both hit? I thought you had 18 AC. I do, but that's still good. 18, that it hit. Um, I'm, I'm assuming you're going to do more than fucking five, so I'm down. Uh, it's going to be 90, 10 plus six. So <laughs> close. Yeah. Close though. Well, uh, I might actually kill you. So hang on. Let me roll it. How much health do you have? Uh, 45. So 90, 10. Oh shit. Okay. Let's see how this works out. So you need to what? Hit for 50? Uh, yeah. I have 90, 10 for, yep. I need to hit for 50. It's just cool. Average. That's just average. Can't wait. Can't fucking wait. It's slightly above average, to be fair. Oh no, 90, 10 plus six. six. Yeah, so you really just. It's slightly below average. It's slightly below average. Good. Goodbye, friends. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Here's nine. Oof, man, this is kind of. I'm sweating. I'm cold sweating. That's a lot of twos and ones. <laughs> Two, three, four, five, six, seven, ten, seventeen, twenty-five, twenty-seven. Jesus Christ, are you kidding me? Uh, thirty-two, thirty-six. Well, I'm down. Wow, that's bad. 36, you are down, but not dead, but extremely injured as these sharp wooden claws come. One swipes you down, you flip to the ground. The other one just slams down onto your body like a wooden fist, and you let out this horrifying breath as you hear a crunch, the rest of you, and Tug is down. And Tug, you're up next. On on the crunch, it's like, (gasps) and I just, I look over at Durf and I reach out and I just say, Mr. Durf, 
I don't feel too good. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Ouch. Uh, And uh, you're up next, so make a death saving throw, Tuck. So is it just... uh, I should be experiencing this, but it's um, just a a straight d20 roll, right? And I gotta get higher than... It's just straight d20. If you roll less than a 10, you take an X on one of your death saving throws. If you roll a natural one, you you take two Xs. That is a two. Whew, just missed it. Okay, so you, uh, you take one X on your death saving throw. Yep, putting it down. All right, and this thing kind of steps over you and looks towards the rest of the party as your mangled, unconscious body lay on the ground. And the next one is up uh, who saw Durf run after this plant and kill it, and it takes to a sprint, Durf, and runs straight towards you with another powerful two claw attacks. The first is a 22. The second is a natural 20. (laughs) I'm not okay. kidding. Do you both hit? Uh, yeah. All right, I'm going to roll this again. Let's see if we get better damage. All right, uh, let's see. That's much better. 18, 19, 23, 28, 38, 47, 51, <laughs> 61. 61 God damage damn. to you, Good Dirk. Good thing I didn't get hit by that. Okay. 61 Holy damage. Dirk has a hot two left. Oh, man. So it rushes forward. It picks you up off the ground, this huge six-foot thick tree monster. It picks you up from the ground and delivers two swift, powerful claws to your chest as you take 62 damage. Those natural 20s really kill you on this. Um, and... Up next is Carl. Wait, so am I, like, standing by Tug? No, like, not even close. No. Yeah, no. you're way far away. Okay. Yep. You're, like, you're like 30 feet away. I have two questions. Number one, do, I, do we mm-hmm. know what kind of creatures these are? Right now, all you know is there's some kind of magical energy that is controlling these creatures that look like living plants in a humanoid, humanoid form. I guess what I'm, what I'm asking is... Are these like fey creatures or? Give me an intelligence check with advantage. Twenty, not natural. Yeah, yeah. They are fey. They are full on fey. Okay. They're actually with a not natural. You know these are called spriggans. Oh, okay. Uh, somehow you somehow you read a book somewhere along the line that told you of this fey wild, this this magical place, and these tree creatures that kind of form out of nothing. How? Uh, how close is or are Tess and Durf? Uh, Durf, I would say Tess is between you. Like you and Tess are very close together, and Durf is probably in between you because he dove under this plant creature. So they're like I've, I've, I'm going to cast turn or I'm going to use turn the faithless. I'm just okay. trying to... I want to center myself, so I guess that... Because uh, it's a 30-foot radius, so that Durf and Tess are both within the radius, kind of, of this spell. Oh, yeah, you're close yeah. enough where you okay. are now. Um, yeah. So just, like, seeing that this Spriggan has just attacked Durf, and it seems like they are wanted to take us out and he's in bad light, I'm going to use, uh, for the first time, Turn the Faithless... Um, 
And so each fair fiend within 30 feet that can hear me must make a wisdom saving throw. On a failed save, the creature is turned for one minute or until it takes damage. Turned creatures must spend their turn trying to move as far away from me as it can and cannot willingly move to space within 30 feet of me. No, also okay. cannot take reactions and for its actions it can only use the dash action to try and escape from an effect that prevents it from moving. Okay, sweet. Uh, so I need to make a wisdom save? Yep. That's a 14. And that's against my... That's a 8 plus your proficiency plus paladin your charisma, I believe. 14. I don't think it will pass. It's 14? It's exactly 14? Okay, so it passes. So um, what does the spell look like? As you're trying to turn this creature, uh, in game it's kind of just like um, a like a swirling, like two beams of light kind of shooting, like shoot out, and then just kind of start swirling, uh, and so it they just elongate and keep spinning, uh, kind of at a slow okay. rate. All right, sweet. Yeah. So this Spriggan, as it's holding Durf in one hand, it reaches out and it swipes its hand down and just dissolves this beam of light that's coming at it, and it opens its mouth and unleashes this otherworldly hiss at you like it is not afraid. And Tess is up now, and it, and she gets up from just grasping her hands around this creature, and she sees this other creature made out of plant, made out of wood, and she takes her wand out from her back pocket in this archmage cloak and she lifts it up and as she raises it up from the ground this swirling ball of flame comes shooting up from the ground where it soars up into the air about 20 feet and then comes crashing down on top of this thing and Durf now Durf you see this fireball and you are terrified as this huge ball of flame this gout of flame is coming down on you but somehow the fire swirls around you, only striking this creature. And she is, and he's got to make a dex saving throw. Rolling a 12, which won't cut it. So this creature is engulfed in flames, taking 5, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 16, taking 32 total damage as flames lick up and down its roots and its branches it screams it lets go of you Durf as you fall to the ground and you were on the ground staring up at this thing that has just burst into flames what do you do um is it looking at me in a way that if I sort of scooched backwards uh it would <laughs> opportunity attack me yes Okay, <laughs> then I do not scooch. <laughs> um, you are still in its melee range, but it is flailing around wildly after after taking this huge flaming attack. Um, Durf will use mass cure wounds. On himself? On the whole squad. Oh, shit. So does that it's have a... It's a, an AoE heal. How, how large... 30 foot radius. Okay, that'll just hit Tug. Well, hang on. Let me look at the... Radius is different from range, because I could theoretically cast it at a point, I think. But let me make sure that's true. But if you cast it on the point that was yourself, you would reach Tug. So it's a, it has a 60 foot range, and it has a 30 foot radius. Okay. So I'll cast it, I guess, wherever it hits everybody. 
Yep, that's right okay. on top of you. Okay, so it does 3d8 plus 15 then. Everyone is healed for 29. Damn, okay. So, so my, am I still like? at negative 31? Is that how that works? Um, That's a really good question. Oh, man, I'm going to get shit on. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. Okay. I think that makes sense. Like you were, you took so much damage from these hits that you are still like, you, your wounds might have been cured, but you're still unconscious from the amount of damage you took. I don't know if that's correct or not, but that's what I'm going to make as a DM ruling. So you're still at negative three. You're still down, but you are closer to uh, becoming capacitated. Okay, so if I recall correctly, you hit me for thirty six, and I was at five. So negative thirty one. You just healed for twenty nine, Durf. Yep. Okay, yeah. so I'm at negative two. You're cool. at negative two. All right, so that was Durf's turn. So Durf, tell me what it, what it looks like. What's it, what does it look like when you cure the spell? This area of effect spell. What happens around you that causes them to regain and cure their wounds? Um, it's just uh, it's almost like uh, let's see, like Feror's wind from Ocarina of Time. <laughs> it's a it's a green, or is that does Feror's wind do that? Basically, a green dome expands outward from the center point and just touches everybody. And as it washes over them, they feel, uh, y- you know, 29 better. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> good. Tug, your, uh, your bones that just broke underneath this Spriggan's massive fist kind of, like, click back together. You're still unconscious, but... Um, inside your body is kind of like forming itself back together you are you are healed for these hit points but you are still down and unconscious um and up next this creature that downed you steps over you and rushes towards Tess they still don't see Carl because he's still invisible no Carl's visible Carl's visible yeah. now as whenever when I took an action I became visible so I've been I've been oh, visible shit. yeah Okay, so uh, they're still going to run towards Tess because I think Tess is still closer and just cast this massive fireball on its its buddy. So it's going to run forward to a two claws attack, claw attacks for Tess. Uh, one rolls for thirteen, the other one a twenty-two. So that one will hit. So she's going to take two plus nine is eleven plus fourteen plus three. She takes seventeen bludgeoning damage as a claw just swipes against her back as she was unexpecting this as she cast this fireball um, and she falls to the ground but she is still conscious Tug you need to make your second death saving throw here we go if you roll a one 18 okay so you uh, mark an X off a success so you have one fail and one success up next is creature that got burnt badly by Tessa's spell uh, whips around towards you, Carl, the closest foe, and swipes out with two more claw attacks. A 14, which misses, and a 15, which misses. So you raise your shield and sword just at the same time, and you are going toe-to-toe with this creature as these wooden fists are coming and colliding with your weapon and shield. And it's your turn. I can reach Tug. No. No. No, you're you're like dueling with this creature right now. Right, but I can. And you're still th- you're still thirty feet away, just like you were before. Right, but I could open myself to an attack of opportunity. Yeah, you could bail and and run after him. Sure. 
that's what I'm going to do. Okay. Uh, attack of opportunity. An 18? Yeah. Okay, so that'll yep. hit. So as you kind of like peel away from this fist that comes colliding down to the ground, another one comes over and strikes you for... 9, 18 plus... 21 bludgeoning damage as you rush forward. So you get hit from behind taking this damage. You stagger, but you still run, and you reach Tug. Uh, and... Uh- like as I reach Tug, I kind of grab onto his shoulders and lift him off the ground, and use lay on hands. Like okay. as I put my hands on him, I lay on hands him for the full amount, the full thirty-five. Shit. Okay, so you regain thirty-three then, Tug, and you come back to consciousness. <gasps> <laughs> what the fuck was that? <laughs> okay, so as you're having this moment, uh, Tess is up and she is furious. Uh, Small flickers of flame are still flashing from her wand. She raises it up once again and casts this fireball onto this same Spriggan that she damaged before. He's going to make a deck save, rolling a natural one, taking a total of... I don't think it's going to matter, but I'm going to roll it anyway. Oh, man. Six, nine, ten, thirteen, fifteen, eighteen, twenty-two, times two, forty-four damage. And as this fireball comes crashing down on top of it, uh, the Spriggan screams to the heavens and falls to the ground in a smoldering heap of burning wood. And it is down. Durf, you are up. Oh, the only Spriggan left is the one that downed Tug that lashed out towards Tess. The one that hits you is now a smoldering heap of burnt wood on the ground. Okay. Um, Durf remains super pissed. He just stands up and walks toward the last Spriggan and uses Blight on it. Okay. So, is it a plant? I don't know if that counts. Uh, I'm going to say yes. Wisdom saving throw? Con. Con saving throw? That's a six. (laughs) That will not do it. Uh, so it takes 64 damage. It takes 64 damage? Okay, tell me how you kill it. Um, it just, uh, fucking, I don't know. It right, I, I <laughs> hit it right in the, right in the core. It's got like an orange core, right? Yes. Um, yep. the core just, uh, suddenly, like, half of it, like, the far tip of it turns black, and the blackness spreads over the entire core. It turns to an inky black, and then that radiates outward and shrivels it to death. Perfect. Yeah, it reaches his hands to its side and its legs buckle and its neck goes upwards as it screams and just this blackness covers the whole thing and then explodes out and these shards of wood fly everywhere and then the battlefield is battlefield is silent. Yay! We did it! (laughs) And you hear... Uh, from outside the battlefield, you hear this slow clap, this slow clapping. And as you whip around towards the noise, Carl lifting Tug to his feet, Tess placing her wand back into her robe, turning towards the noise. You see this small, about two or three foot tall goblin wearing a robe and a big old floppy hat that kind of half covers its its face. And this creature says turns to you and he says yeah uh, you're going to want to stay away from those guys Durf says point of order we should stay away from those guys or we're the guys that should be stayed away from 
No, 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 no. Those uh, those creatures. Listen, you you're gonna want to stay clear away from them. Um, you must be new here. Yes. Yeah. What? So Durf, Durf. Wait, uh, wait, 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 wait. Just Durf is kind of side eyeing this guy, and uh, while he does that, I thought we left the candy place. What is this? <laughs> subtly, uh, subtly casts healing spirit next to himself. Uh, yeah. In case I assume we're out of initiative now. Yeah, you're out of initiative, and this this guy is kind of like leaning up against the tree, nearby tree, kind of like twiddling his thumbs, looking at you, just with a sly smile on his face. Well, Durf Durf sucks up the healing spirit, and then blasts it over toward Tug and Carl. If they want to stand in okay. it too. How how far <laughs> away is this goblin from me? From you, maybe about forty feet. It's a it's a distant tree. Um. Durf's like, what's your fucking deal, guy? Tug cable calls I mean, to the on. tree to pull himself close to the goblin. <laughs> okay, you instantly cable yourself close, just within like a foot of this goblin, and it it kind of backs up and slips and falls over a tree root, and he's like, whoa, 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 okay, 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 chill out. So who are you? He gets up, he dusts himself off, and he says, he reaches out a hand to shake your hand, and he says, uh, he tips his hat, and he says, name's Kurt. Huh. Are you sure it's not Kirk and somebody just mispronounces it a lot? No, 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 I'm pretty sure it's Kurt okay. with T. K-U-R-T. Kurt, at your service. And he bows at you. And he unleashes his hat and you see his little pointy ears kind of fling out from his hat. And he bows and he the hat tip touches the ground and he places it back on his head. Tug reaches out uh, and and obliges the handshake. Okay. So, Kurt, uh, where are we? What is this place? So you are new around here. How'd you get here? Semantics. We I just need we just need answers. We're trying to get home. Uh, and, uh, and other stuff, obviously, but none of that's really important to uh, our budding relationship that we have here. Hmm, hmm. And he strokes his chin, his, his bald chin. He's got no sort of any sort of facial hair. And he says, well, 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 you have fallen into the Feywild, a mystical place. We are here. We are there. We are everywhere. We are today. We were tomorrow. We are yesterday. We are forever. And we are nothing. Okay, dude. Holy can you smokes. Just, can you just answer the fucking question? What's your deal? What's your fucking deal, man? Just tell me. Listen, I just live here. I wander around uh, at my home. I float around. I float from place to place. I just love to live life. <laughs> what is here? The Feywild, the forest, the mystical forest of old. All things stem from the Feywild in one way or the other. Uh, weren't we just in the sludge or whatever? The sludge? No. Carl, oh, go ahead. Uh, What was the forest called? Shade. What forest? Shade? The, it, the, no, shade. No, shade. Shade was the city within the ashen woods. That, that we're trying Euphoros. to get to. Gotcha, yes. gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> okay, so I ask, I, uh, I turn to uh, Kurt. For some reason, <laughs> I thought it was sludge, which obviously is wrong. Um, <laughs> I turn to Kurt. Kurt, I understand your propensity for riddles. Uh, propensity is my word of the day today, so I'm trying to work it in. 
<laughs> I understand your propensity for riddles. We don't really have time for riddles, nor can I understand or solve them. So, a couple questions. Number one, can you get us to shade? Sh- shade, shade. He he taps his forehead a few times. Think, think, think. Shade, shade. I don't, I don't know a shade. Carl immediately, Carl immediately like runs up and grabs him by the shoulders and like lifts him up and slams him kind of against the tree. It says, whoa, 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 what's the big idea? Stop toying with us. I'm not toying with you. I don't know about any shade. Do you want to roll me an inside check? Sure. I guess that's all of us. Yeah, sure. Natural 20. Oh, shit. 23. Four, baby. (laughs) Okay. Doug, you're not sure. You're not sure. Carl and Durf, you uh, see that this he's he's very um, honest. He's honest. He does not know about shade. He's not telling you. Well, lie. as Jamal would say, point of order, point of order. I rolled a five. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, OK, well, then what's the uh, we're walking towards so big waterfall. What's that thing's deal? A waterfall, huh? You want to head to the waterfall? I could bring you there for a price. And uh, Carl just starts shaking him. What? 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 What is wrong with you? I, I mean, no harm. For what price? We're having a bad day, man. We're having a really fucking bad day. Okay. I <laughs> almost died. Yeah, <laughs> I did. Everybody I was almost dead. just died, and now I mean, we're walking towards the waterfall already. Okay. I saw that. Uh, I saw that. And okay, so we could just keep walking towards it. Why should we pay you? And what are you even charging? And just fucking take us to the waterfall. Can you get this guy to put me down, please? As he like is grasping on grasping onto Carl's wrist. Uh, but are before, you gonna take us to the waterfall? Before uh, Carl puts him down, he kind of just kind of turns his head a little bit. and goes, Archmage, do you have anything to say? She is standing over there with her hands on her hips, unapproving of the entire situation and Carl's response to this man. And she says, Carl, put him down. He did nothing to us. And he he's offering to help us for a price. He's gouging us. What, what is your price? What is your price, Kurt? And uh, still in the air, Kurt says, all I, all I request is friendship. Carl drops him. <laughs> Tug leaves, <laughs> leans over to Durf and just goes, fucking nerd. <laughs> he falls to the ground with a, and he dusts himself off. He says, it gets lonely as a wanderer. I just want some companionship, some friends to travel with. I'll take you wherever you wish to go. You got to work on your pitch, because if you had said that in the first place. Uh, so you choose to wander, and you also choose to complain about being lonely? Well, you know, you can't have it all. Ah, and you <laughs> sure can't, Kurt. You sure can't. And uh, he turns He turns back towards um, the, the interior forest away from the shore, and you see kind of off into the distance, not too far off, you see this large... Snail, this huge snail. Big, I mean, not on a leaf or anything. This snail is at least ten feet tall and twenty feet wide. This hulking beast of slime, as these little eyes are kind of peering out from the top, and its shell swirls around its back. And within its shell are windows built 
into the carapace where you can see this pale candlelight kind of shining through several windows on either side. And as the snail just kind of looks to the left and to the right, and he says, this is my home and and my mode of transportation. If you want to come, you can come with me. If not, eh, good luck with some more of those guys. So give him the snail. Does it look like a good place for a long rest? <laughs> it looks like a pretty, pretty comfortable house within that shell. I suggest one of us stays lookout on top of the shell at all times. Perfect. Thanks for nominating yourself. Yep. Sure. And you okay. do that, Carl, buddy. Sure. Carl goes right <laughs> I, I don't. I don't have to rest much since I didn't do anything. I just died. So, uh, all right. So, uh, I think the the scene ends with the camera panning out as you all waltz towards the shell with uh, Kurt leading the way, just jovially skipping towards his snail mount, and then we fade to black and episode over I also want to give a special shout out to our $5 or more patrons, $5 to $15. These are people that donate to the show. Huge support system for us. Team Eugene, Metal Minister, James Wynn, William Martin, Pete Achilles, Andrew Fontenot, Fantastic, John C. Davies, Michael Schuler, Ray Lang, Ursula Bertea, Targot, William Cornish, Adair Bristow, Cody Irwin, Henry Strong, Lady Mage Sire, James Kendall, Shepard Tiberius, Joshua McKee, Anderson Martins, Jimmy the Penguin, Austin Pence, Derek Norman, Tim Searle, Liquor Locker, Jacqueline Green, Snormantha, Kensworth Slater, Zabrija Emma Spring, Joshua Ald, Oyabun, Ryan Corbin, Torben Schwarz, James Crouch, JJ Holler, Chris Harrison, Tucker Barkley, Pat Manads, Seth M. Harrison, Kevin DeHart, Thomas Sanchez, Matthew Watson, Kevin Kozlowski, Jesse Jones, David Barron, Dan McStockerson, Jason Rittman, Joshua Motzinger, Nicole Chapin, Ian Coughling, William Martin, and his buddy Huge Arse, Dungeon Masters Thrift Shop, Dungeons and Newbies, a.k.a. Jack, Nuke, Nick, Vukulich, Vitaly, Vasilyuk, and Adam Hoplik. Thank you guys so much. Again, if you want to be on this list, go on to patreon.com slash YMIA Tavern.